The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I've watched that so many times and I thought, I'm good, I'm good, because I got to get up and talk to you after that. Um, Daniel, thank you so much for sharing your testimony. Um, I'm so excited to see what God's doing in, in his life and in the lives of so many people at the creek. I love getting to be a part of a story that's bigger than me. And I love getting to be a part of a story that ends with saying, it's all about what God's going to do through me. Um, there's incredible ministry and incredible opportunity that's ahead when we fully surrender. Um, so, man, if you haven't met Daniel, you need to, he, he's got a hug ready for you, man. He gives some of the best hugs ever. But um, I'm Pastor Matt. This is your first time Glad you're here. Um, like my amazing wife said, if you wouldn't mind filling out one of those connect cards, we'd love to get some information to you about who we are and uh, help you with uh, connecting into a church. But this is an exciting time around here. If you're visiting, it's a good time because over the next several weeks, we're kind of talking about where the church is going, what's going on in the church. And uh, last week, if you weren't here, some, some of you couldn't brave the rain, um, but some of you did. And uh, uh, that wasn't just rain. That was, that was rain. I mean, that was, I, I got so soaked getting from my truck to the door that Heather had to leave during the first service to get me a change of clothes. It literally looked like I was doing baptisms and I was standing in the tank with y'all. It was that crazy. I walked in and she just looked at me with pity. Um, but some of you missed the announcement that we made last week about uh, some future uh, vision plans we have for the church, and we've, we've uh, launched a website, um, thecreekfw.com forward slash one dash church, uh, and that gives you a lot of insight into what's going on. We've got some video stuff on there and kind of a, an idea of what the project is, and I've had some questions because some of you found out, some of y'all watch Facebook Live. Hello, Facebook Live. Are we live on the Facebook? Excellent. Welcome. Hello, everybody out there in Facebook land. If you're not here on a Sunday, you can, you, we, we live stream the 10 o'clock service, um, but that doesn't, don't, don't mean you're going to skip. Okay, you know what? We could just lay in bed and watch this. Don't do that. We would miss you. Um, and if you're on Facebook, be here next week, okay? Um, and uh, never mind. Anyway, so, but I had some questions, and, and people are like, so really, really, what, what is this project about? Um, as I said last week, it's not about square footage. It's about walking in obedience in the, in the story that God's writing in the church, um, we are experiencing growth as a church, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. That's the anointing of God. That's not how good we are. And I want to continue walking in that anointing. And, and what has to happen is we've got to get some more uh, relief space in our children's and, and community ministries and in the lobby. And so I think they're showing you some, some renderings. I was doing commentary to these earlier. You don't want to hear that. Um, but we are trying to expand to do some more lobby space, some more space on the back that would be more children's space on Sundays, adult space during the week. Our women's ministry has been so full, we had to go to two nights for women's ministry. Men, uh, I don't know how y'all do it in that little room um, on Wednesday nights. Y'all getting close. That's all I got to say. Um, you don't know where I begin and you start, right? Uh, so... 
uh, this is a journey to be able to open up some of that square footage and open um, more of what God wants to do. This is a scalable project. Um, we're looking at $2.5 million over three years, and we will be able to pull the project back based on what, what we can and can't do. That We're not going to go for the whole thing unless God says to do it, and he shows us that that's what we're going to do. I believe in doing ministry instead of building buildings. I am not called to construction. Um, so some people are like, so practically tell me, how's this going to work? And so um, on October 30th, as a church, we're going to come together and we're going we're gonna to make commitments. So through the next several weeks, uh, I'm challenging you to pray and ask God what he wants to do through you. And, and then on October 30th, we're going to come together and celebrate that as a church. And for the next three years, um, we're going to be giving sacrificially towards this campaign. Um, now, let me explain sacrificially because some of you give, give your tithes and your, your offerings and your faithful giving. That helps us run our gener general budget. That helps us continue to do the ministries that we're not going to give up on. So this is above that. And that allows us to do this project without impacting ministry because that's a, I'm not going to impact ministry. If it means saying no to construction, to do ministry, I'd rather do ministry because that's where that's where we see more stories. Um, there's no, I don't, you know, I don't think we're going to get a wall to give us a testimony. Going, I wasn't here and now I'm here. Um, it's it's the people, and so that's where my heart is. And so uh, we're going to come together and do that. And uh, oh, somebody asked about timing on it. So we're doing a three-year campaign. So when do we start construction? Is it going to be three years? Because some of y'all experience some parking problems in this service. Um, and some of you are like, yes, and amen. When are we going to get that fixed? Um, we're working on some things to try to get some relief in the parking area. And one of the things we hope to do in phase two is add more parking. Um, so timeline looks like this. Uh, after we as a church make our commitments, then we will sit down with the architects and we will sit down with the bank and we will look and say, how much of this can we accomplish without sacrificing ministry? And then we hope to start construction on it next summer. So summer of 2017, um, to be able to start getting some relief in here. We've done some things in the children's ministry to get us some relief through the school year, which is, which is helping us a lot. So that's what we're doing. One church, it's a, while we call it one church, it's about all of us doing this together. It's what Paul said to the Philippian church in uh, chapter 2 verse one and two, he's like, look, if, if you have any affection for me, if you have any connection, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, here's what Paul is saying. Let's be of the same mind. Let's be in one accord. Let's do this having the same love. So let's do this as one. And, and the reason we're calling it one church is because it's not about any one of us doing everything. It's about God calling all of us to accomplish something great. And that's what we're, we're going to do. We're going to see what God does. I believe that what he does will be enough. And I believe that he is sovereign. And I believe that he funds his ministry. Our job is not to raise money. It's to raise disciples. And so that's, that's the way we're going to track on this. And, and we've, been, we've been, I asked this question last week. What would my life look like if I were totally committed or totally surrendered to God? And I think that's something incredible to start thinking about because God does have a bigger plan. I mean, you heard Daniel say, I can't do this, but God can do this. I can't live this life. And when, when he said that, God just started revealing to him, this isn't what I've called you to. 
This isn't how I've called you to live. God has a life for us. He has a vision for our life that's greater than we can imagine. It's greater than we could even think to ask him for. But it takes us being fully surrendered to God. For us as a church, you know, to do this one church and to do this, this program and to add this capacity for ministry to reach more lives, we have to be fully surrendered together. We have to do this together. But before we can be surrendered together, you and I have to be surrendered individually. Before there's a we, there's an I. Before there's an us, there's a you. And so we've got to be fully surrendered to God and what he wants for our life, or we're not going to see any of this. One of the things that, that Paul wrote to the church in Rome in chapter 12 He said, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. He says, live your lives as a living sacrifice, presenting yourself to God, holy and acceptable. This is your spiritual worship. This is an act of worship when we place our lives on the altar before God. What I've learned is that a dead sacrifice is once and for all. But you and I are called to be living sacrifices. Now, there's a danger with that. What's living can crawl off of the altar, which means here's, here's what happens. We, we come to Christ and we, we lay ourselves on the altar and we say, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I believe, Jesus, that you are the son of God. I believe that you lived a perfect life, that you died and you rose again so that I could have a life in you. And and so I'm submitting, I'm surrendering my life. Some of y'all grew up in church when you were little and they'd play like, I surrender all about 8,000 times until somebody makes that walk down to the front to give their life to Jesus. You were like, I've been saved for five years, but I'm taking one for the team. I'm hungry, you know? (laughs) Maybe that's just me. God's forgiven me of that, but I needed to re-surrender anyway. Um, or some of y'all grew up in church where like, you know, you could backslide. Some of y'all, you done backslid and you need to come to this altar and get it fixed. Our life is an initial surrender to Jesus and then it's a constant process. It's not, not that we lose our salvation, but we've got to re-surrender ourselves to Jesus we got to re-surrender ourselves to Christ. It's this process. I mean, the Christian life, it's a journey. It's not a, a one decision and then everything is done. If, if God operated that way, then what would happen is when you give your life to Christ and boom, you're gone. You go to heaven. Boom, I don't have to live in that world anymore. Good. And so, I mean, <laughs> that'd be interesting today. Be like, hey, that person just got saved. <laughs> Instead of, come on down, who's going up? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I got to stay on track, okay? Uh, but if you got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, 22 chap- the 22nd chapter, so that's the big number, and we're going to be looking at the life of Abraham. If you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back rows for you. Um, if you don't own one, write your name in it. That is our gift to you. We just ordered another case of Bibles. We give about a case a month away because I love you having access to the Word of God. Um, and you can do it on your smartphone. There's nothing wrong with that. While you're there, um, if, if the, just go to Facebook and like us, you know, and that'd be good. If you're, if you're watching Facebook Live, you know, everybody watching right now hit like. So when I'm watching it later, I'll just see a bloop, bloop. <laughs> Genesis chapter 22. If you've gotten there, you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, you had to pick this on baby dedication day. It's Abraham and Isaac. Let me tell you about Abraham. Abraham, 
God appeared to Abraham and said, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave a system of belief that you have grown up with. And I want you to go to the land that I will show you. And and twice before this, God tells Abraham, you are the father of many nations. All the nations of the world will be blessed because of you. And Abraham didn't even have a son. He didn't have a child. His wife was barren. Abraham was almost 100 years old when Isaac was born. Isaac was born out of that promise of God who said, you will be the father of many nations. And out of you, your descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. I mean, think about it. Abraham had to surrender to God to step out of his father's household and to go where God was leading him. Now we're gonna see Abraham have to go through a re-surrender and surrendering all over again because he's got Isaac who was born of a promise. Chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And if, you, if, if this would have been Matt, that's where the story would have ended. Be like, I thought I heard God, but I guess it was just Taco Bell. But we see the faith and the faithfulness of Abraham. Verse three, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Father? And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. Can you imagine what's going through Abraham's mind? I mean, Isaac is just like, hey, dad, we're gonna go do a sacrifice, an offering, but, but you forgot the lamb, silly dad. He doesn't know what's gonna happen. Abraham has to be in turmoil. Abraham has to be internally, uh, just, there's, there's gotta be havoc going on. It's like, God, wait a second. I know you called me away from my father's house. I know you told me to go to the place where you'd show me. I know that you've called me the father of many nations. I know that you have a plan bigger than I can imagine. And you gave Isaac to me in, in this incredible situation, a miraculous birth, miraculous story. And now, God, you want to take him from me? What have I done wrong? See, that's where the enemy starts to get a voice. Some of y'all have a promise that God has put in your life, and the enemy's sitting here telling you, you've messed up so bad, God's gonna rip that promise away from your life. 
I don't know what the enemy could have been saying to Abraham. Abraham, you've made God so upset. You have screwed this thing up so bad that that whole promise that God had given you, it's going away. God has just told you to kill that promise and God's gonna use you to go through the pain of killing his promise. Can I tell you, please, please, please do not listen to the enemy in this. He does not have a voice at this table. Yes, it's okay to ask God, why are we doing this? But I'm challenging you to trust God. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood on, in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. I can't imagine having to go through this situation. But can I tell you that the parents who just dedicated their children just did the same thing. They laid their children on the altar and said, God, this is the blessing that you have given me and I'm trusting you with this blessing. Surrendering is incredibly difficult. And, and what I've learned is when we resurrender, it means you continually give God what is most important to you. Abraham had to lay his son, the promise, on the altar. See, you and I get the benefit of reading this story that is thousands of years ago. But what does it look like? What does it feel like when we're walking through it? It's incredibly difficult. And what God was calling Abraham to do was live his life with an open hand. God says, you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And God calls us to get our hands open so that we can live the life that God has called us to live, so that the legacy God puts in our life is greater than us. We have a tendency to cling to things. I mean, we could put a feed into the preschool room and watch our kids, your kids, and they will find that toy, and they will hold on to it, and they will use this definitive word, mine, right? And when you go up and try to teach them the value of sharing, 
It's so beautiful because this preschooler, this toddler that says, that's mine. And you go, but we're going to share. And that's good. And they're like, oh, okay. I get the concept of sharing now. Now, what do they do? They throw a fit. I I didn't think it would be appropriate and I didn't do it. But the other day I was at the store and I felt so sorry for this mom because her child was throwing, I mean, it was a tantrum like I hadn't seen in a long time. And, and she had the patience of Job, man. I just wanted, I was, I was praying for her, like, Lord, bless that woman and protect that child. Because <laughs> he was not letting go of what he had in his hand. And, and by the grace and fear and power of God, that mom was getting it from him. Oh. But we're the same way. We can laugh because it's our kids or we saw our kids do it, but you know what? You and I are no different. We just wrap our hands around different things. And God's saying, are you gonna open your hand? Are you gonna trust me with what, you, what I gave you anyway? And for us to live this life fully surrendered, I wanna give you some filters in this. These are some questions that you've gotta work through and, and I would say, don't, don't just give quick answers today. Spend some time this week reflecting on this and think about this. I mean, the first one is, am I willing to surrender? And am I willing to re-surrender? For some of you, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. And the greatest thing that you can put on the altar is your life. The greatest thing that you can do is humble yourself and say to Jesus, here I am. I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. And God, I believe that you died for me. I believe that Jesus, you are the son of God and that you have a life greater than what I'm living. And God is calling you and he's pursuing you. For some of you, You may not find yourself physically in prison, but some of you walk around and you're in prison and you're enslaved to your sin. And he's saying, I have a freedom for you that's greater than you can imagine. I have a life for you that's greater than you could ever hope for. I have a story that's bigger than you could ever write. Will you surrender it to me? And that's the redemption that comes. But but then some of us have been walking with Jesus for a while and we just start holding on to stuff. Oh, God gave me this. I'm hanging on to this. I mean, we become spiritual hoarders. Well, what you got there? Oh, that's, that's this. I'm going to hold on to this. I'm not letting go of that. You know what God's going to go after? He, he, very often, he, he asks us to surrender and resurrender the things that's, the thing that's most, that we love most. Some of you will pray and you will have a prayer like, God, I will give you anything, but please don't take that. For some, it is our kids. Some, it's our security. Some, it's our job. Some, it's our money. Some, it's our car. Some, it's our house. I mean, you're like, I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. Please don't ask me to do that, God. And he's saying, I'm asking you if this is in the way of what I want to do in your life. So does the promise of God in your life stop with what he's given you or what he desires to do in you and through you? 
That takes us to a, that takes us to a challenge because what I believe is that comfort can kill the spirit of surrender. We get comfortable. And that comfort then becomes our God. That comfort becomes our idol. And it begins to keep us from fully surrendering because we're like, I got more at stake. Or I've built this life around me and I'm comfortable. And sometimes the comfort isn't even a healthy thing or a good thing. There's so, there's so many Christians that have surrendered their life to Christ, but they've never surrendered the pain of their past. And God's saying, hey, let me, let me kill that on the altar. Let me slay that. That doesn't need to get up. Let me redeem the pain so that the story of your pain doesn't end with you. That there's redemption written on your heart and there's redemption that can be written in the lives of so many others because you were willing to let your pain go. You surrendered it to me. And God can redeem that. He can be trusted with that. I mean, that, that's, that's the next question is, can I fully, am I willing to fully trust God as my provider? That God, even in my pain, even in my comfort, I believe that everything comes from you. I believe that you are my father. I believe that you love me more than I could ever imagine. And you want what's best for me. And you're willing to do what needs to be done so that I can live the life that you've called me to live. I mean, Abraham, look at the faith of Abraham. It was by faith he said God will provide. Dad, where's the sacrifice? Son, God's gonna provide it. I don't know how, but God's gonna provide it. Some of us need to stand on faith and say, God, I trust in your provision for my life. It doesn't mean you like where you're at. It doesn't mean you like that journey to the altar. It doesn't mean you're not going through a trial because God's called you to go from where you're at to the altar. But you need to be trusting God that he's going to provide because he will. Abraham saw Isaac as a vessel to the promise. And he was willing to trust God and walk in faith. Look, think of the faith. And when he said to his servants, hey, I and the boy are going over there, then we will come again to you. I will be back. We will be back. The incredible faith. He didn't just say, hey, uh, Isaac's not going to make it back. He didn't start out the speech, some men going on this journey will not make it home. <laughs> he stood on faith and he said, we will be back. Do you trust God that way? Do you trust that he's faithful? Because he is faithful. He's shown it to you over and over and over and over in circumstance after circumstance after circumstance after circumstance. Our responsibility is to hear God and be obedient to surrender and resurrender and resurrender, trusting that He provides the sacrifice every time we come to the altar. The last question Am I willing to allow God to work in and through my life to accomplish His vision? Not your vision, not my vision, His vision. And am I willing to allow God to do that? Because we can get, we can get, we can find our confidence and our security in everything we put around us. But are we willing to come to that altar? And what this really means is 
Am I willing to let God do something in my heart so that he can do something through my life so that someone else hears the benefit of Jesus? See, we can talk about Abraham and Abraham's surrender. And we can see the legacy. We can see that the faithfulness of Abraham, God through him built the nation of Israel. Let me tell you about another faithfulness and surrender that just is life-changing. Matthew chapter 26. Jesus, this is Thursday night before he's crucified. And he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we know the gospel, the good news of Jesus that on Friday, we call it Good Friday, he was crucified. Why is it good? Because the payment of sin was paid for. The work was finished. And then Sunday came, and Sunday Jesus walked victoriously out of that tomb, having overcome death, ever overcome sin, overcoming the devil, overcoming everything by the power of the resurrection. But can I tell you, there's no Sunday without Friday, and there's no Friday without Thursday. And on Thursday, we see Jesus say this, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Many of us, that's our prayer. God, if there's another way to go through this, I'm all ears. I don't wanna go through this. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Let me translate that. God, I don't wanna do this, but... I want to do what you want to do. Why did Jesus feel that way? I think we see his humanity and his deity collide. He knew that on that cross on Friday night that his father was going to turn his back on him, that he was going to endure the wrath of God. And he sacrificed that. Why? Not for the legacy that Abraham did, but so you and I could have life We could have hope. We could have reconciliation. We could have peace. We could have an eternity with our Father. That we and I, you and I, through that, through the sacrifice on Thursday night and the death on Friday and the resurrection on Sunday means that you and I can live a life that has an impact greater than we could ever imagine. That it's not just about eternity. It's about what God wants to do with us here and now. And what God is calling us to do is are we willing to lay ourselves on the altar and 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 when we crawl off, we get back up and we get on the altar. Are we willing to live our life as a living sacrifice, fully surrendered to the plan, the vision, the hope, and the future that God has paid for? Your question is, will I surrender and resurrender through trusting in God with the things that I love the most. Because where you love the most, that's what your treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. And God is so after your heart. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for sacrifice. We thank you that we see what a sacrifice looks like. And I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. I thank you that on that Thursday night, Jesus surrendered his will. I thank you that all those years ago, Abraham surrendered his will. And we stand here today as a result in the power of a testimony and the blood of the lamb. That their story is written on our hearts. 
and that our story becomes part of their story. And all of that story is a beautiful, beautiful story of redemption and hope. So I pray for that person in this room that has never surrendered their life to you. I pray that today is the day salvation comes to their house. I pray that today is the day they realize God has been pursuing them through their hurt, through their pain, through their sin, through whatever decisions have been made in the past, that you are pursuing them and they, they surrender to your promise, God. That today is the day they say, Lord Jesus, here I am. Forgive me of my past. Forgive me of my sin. And write your story on my life. God, for those in this room that the enemy is trying to steal and talk them out of their promise, I pray that you shut the enemy's mouth. For those here that are worried about your providence, I pray that you show them your faithfulness, that you are our Jehovah Jireh, that you are the God who provides. And I thank you for the stories that are represented in this room because they are written through the blood of Christ. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.